I want to say thank you for joining us here at His Hardline, where every day we always have something going on. We have three shows that we do. We have 1% with Him, where we spend a little time in the Bible, spend a little time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, we'll mix it up, and we do a show called The EDU Spot. And every Tuesday and Friday, we have what's called a His Hardline discussion, where we talk about some deep topics. Don't forget to join us at www.hishardline.com. I want to say thank you again for joining us. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. It is Monday, August 1st, 2022, and you are in the mix here at His Hardline, and you're listening to the EDU Spot. And with today's education spot, we are going to be discussing the training manual, the field training manual that was released by the War Department back in 1928, the training manual 2000-25. That was a training manual that General Douglas MacArthur trained his hand-picked special operating forces uh, on that manual, as well as the Constitution, to help situate a plan called Restore America back to a republic. So we're going to get started here. Now, <clears throat> this is part nine. And what we are entering in, if you are reading along, we are going to be starting off here in section, let's see, what is it? Section six, where we're going to be talking about individual initiatives. So if you're reading along while listening, that would be page 65 on the PDF. So as far, let's see here, let me look at here for a minute. Yeah. So individual initiative. All right. So again, if you're reading along, we're starting here at number 93 on page 65 <clears throat> and it reads mankind a mass of individual ego now psychology and social uh, social science have discovered that mankind is made up of a mass of individual ego each revealing similar characteristics of instincts idiosyncrasies and manifestations of selfish interest in the control of which his intelligence has developed form of government. From earliest childhood, self-assertion, self-determination, self-preservation manifest themselves. It is a human nature for the strong to take advantage of the weak, whether it be strong of body, strength of mind, or strength of a group. And that group may be a minority in numbers, yet all powerful by reason of the forces under its control. Now, just for a little sidebar here, <clears throat> if you hear me struggling with a word or two, it's because the uh, scan of this particular page is a little cut off. So if you hear me struggle with a word, it's because I'm trying to make sense of what it is. Continuing. The chief purpose of government is that of controlling this instinct and directing it into channels through which society will gain the greatest benefit. Two forms of government. One form of government gives the state the supreme control and places all its citizens upon a common level of equal condition. The other recognizes the rights of the individual as greater than the government. That's the one we want, by the way. And emphasizes the superiority of equality of opportunity in contrast with equality of condition. Now, the collectivistic government. <clears throat> equality of condition in this system of government, stress is laid upon the proposition that all men are created 
equal, meaning that no man has a right to that which is denied to another, that any system of government failing to recognize and conform to this ideal is wrong and therefore an enemy of society and a foe of mankind. The ignorant, illiterate, physically and mentally deficient, the lazy, the improvident, and reckless have equal right with the alert, aggressive, busy, educated, high-minded, orderly citizen who aspires to the best and is willing to pay the price of attainment through self-discipline, hard work, and careful management. It is not human nature to recognize equality of condition except to acquire a personal advantage. One may be willing to divide another's property with the third and fourth individual providing the share remaining to him is something more than a formerly than he formerly possessed. And now we get into denial of personal rights. Now collectivism is the denial of personal rights. The state, also known as the community, excuse me, becomes the chief concern of all. It claims that the law of equality once applied would destroy every human desire for individual dominance, making society safe, content, comfortable, and happy. This ideal is to be accomplished by the application of force under the direction of leaders in the selection of whom the people will have little or no choice. It is necessary at first to enforce that the will of the community interest until the people become educated and submissive to the new order. Wait, I got to read that again here. Hold on, just for my own records. This ideal is to be accomplished by the application of force under the direction of leaders in the selection of whom the people will have little or no choice. It is necessary at first to enforce the will of community interest until the people become educated and submissive to the new order. And that would be collectivism. That's not what really what we really want. Now, denied all personal rights, collectivism gives its instructions where to live, where to work, what to do, what to think, and what to say for the state is the law. And here's the thing. If you want to know and see a real clear demonstration of that on the most basic elementary level, I know it's a Pixar movie, but watch the movie Bees. You'll see exactly what collectivism looks like from that movie right there. Let's watch that movie. You'll see. Um, Now, confiscation of private property. Now, collectivism declares that the possession of property has developed protection of property through governments, courts, police, power, and public opinion, making it difficult for one to acquire private property except by work. Now, private property must be abolished so that all will live on a plane of equal condition. I'm going to pause right there. Does that kind of sound a little familiar with uh, Klaus Schwab and the WEF, the World Economic Forum, where he says you will own nothing and you will be happy? That's pretty much, it seems like, kind of the similar thing that we're reading right here as far as collectivism goes. Now, as a matter of fact, however, human nature will see to it that the equal condition will very quickly become an equal condition of misery, want, and discontent. Absolutely. Religion being outlawed. Now, the the collectivistic government proceeds against imperialism by outlawing the church. The church, at the behest of capital, fed the people the opium of religion, making them willing slaves to do the will of their capitalistic masters. In the interest of the new order, sounds familiar too, 
there must be left no place for religion, lest the people gain courage to throw off the yoke of their newfound freedom. The abolition of the family. Now, with personal rights, private property, and the church abolished to make subjection a complete, the state declares that in pure collectivism, there can be no family ties for children, like all other property, are an asset of the community and must be robbed of family love and obligation as a necessary step to loyalty to the state. Marriage may be practiced if conscience, if conscience insists, but is not demanded in the interest of the new society, for with the abolishment of personal rights, private property, church, and home society no longer possess a moral, ethical, and spiritual code. Socialism kills. Now, the doctrine of socialism is collectivism. It tears down the social structure, weakens individual responsibility by subjugation to or reliance upon the state in all material, social, and political matters. It compels the thought that at his best, man is no better than the worst. He loses his self-respect and his keener sense of moral and ethical values. Ambition is nullified by restriction of choice in occupation and reward of attainment. Initiative, the very backbone of all progress, is smothered in the morass in the morass of impersonal service, mass servility, and mob inertia. Socialism aims to save individuals from the difficulties of hardships, of struggle for existence, and the competition of life through calling upon the state to carry the burden for them. Equality of condition, the ruling law of collectivism, is the death knell alike to individual liberty, justice, and progress through the destruction of individual and national character. Now, when, a sit when the citizen of a nation seeking comforts and pleasure find no joy or satisfaction in hard work, the years of that nation are numbered. And I'm going to pause there for a second. Let me reread that for a second. When the citizens of a nation seeking comforts and pleasures are we seeing comforts and pleasures right now with all that's going on continuing find no joy or satisfaction in hard work the years of that nation are numbered free bread and the circus marked the declining days of rome a surfeit of food, clothes, comfortable homes, and much time for idleness can easily become the first step to overthrow, to the overthrow of a civilization. That's kind of, kind of seems kind of like where we're at right now. We're, we're seeing comforts and pleasures kind of dissipating. And yeah, as I'm reading right here, somebody just said it's easy to find the easy way, which is the AVR trap for anybody that is not familiar with AVR and you're in the assembly or thinking about joining the assembly, go to hishardline.com, click on the assembly, and there's a, a sublink below that. It says avoid the AVR train. Listen to those two podcasts. Start with the Jesuit blood order first, then followed by the second one. You'll learn very quickly what that's about, but I digress. That's kind of kind of seems like where we're at right now. People are not finding comforts and pleasures anymore. They're not finding joy or satisfaction in hard work because it seems like the people, there's a lot of people that are not working. Now, what's happening with these people? Are they sitting at home? I don't know. How are they living? How are they paying for the bills? I don't know. Are they dying from the COVID shot? I don't know. 
But one thing's for sure, there's some parts of the country that are having some very serious issues with the supply chain. My mom just flew up from Florida and she came up to Michigan to visit us. She goes, you guys seriously have some major supply chain issues. We don't have any of this in Florida. We have stock shelves. And so, yeah, I think Michigan is straight up under attack and for good reason. But anyway, like I said, free bread and the circus marked the declining days of Rome. And so a, a surfeit of food, clothes, comfortable homes, and much time for idleness can easily become the first step to the overthrow of civilization. Now, individualistic government, equality of opportunity. Now, equality of opportunity carries with it the absolute right of every man to keep what is his own. Yes. There can be no confiscation of property without due process of law and just recompense to the rightful owner. Now, upon this foundation have been based most of the great accomplishments of the past as well as assurance for still greater achievements. The right to private property. Now, each citizen enjoys the right to private property. I know I do. Granted, the privilege of working for one's self-ambition is fired. Initiative is encouraged, labor is not restricted, and the hard thinker and hard worker gets the reward denied the lazy and indifferent, creating thereby classes cased poverty and wealth. And I'm pretty certain the Bible is very clear on that. I can't remember where I saw it. I can't remember if it was in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, but somewhere in the Bible, I think a couple different times too, maybe in Proverbs. But, you know, basically the man who works is going to get rewarded. The one that's idle and does nothing gets, you know, deserves nothing, basically. If you're not going to put any sweat equity and, you know, hard work into, you know, basically your own, you know, participate in your own rescue and survival and toil, why should you get the fruits of the labor off the backs of somebody else? That's not how that works. While you sit around doing nothing. Remember the old elementary story, the grasshopper and the ant, while the ant worked all summer gathering food. Meanwhile, the grasshopper was sitting there chilling, having a grand old time, partying it up with all his little grasshopper friends. And then when winter came around, what happened? The ant was solid in his storehouse while the grasshopper was going to starve to death. Why? Because he was idle. He was lazy. He was partying it up. He was having grasshopper Mai Tais. That's the same thing we're talking about right here. Now, as, as far as economic freedom, the individualistic form of government promotes and guards the individual amid the difficulties and hardships of his struggle for existence and in the competitions of life. The workman is protected because the nation needs his labor and the employer is protected because the nation needs his industry. The productive power of free initiative has full play and a sure reward. Under its protection, he finds joy and satisfaction in the fruits of his labor. There is incentive to invention, improvement, and the establishment of families and homes. Yeah, it's called the free market, basically. You won't get any of that in you know, socialism or communism, not at all. You create something, the government takes it away, and they, they profit off of it, not you. They say, oh, here's your little pittance. Have fun. Thanks for the idea. Now, as far as political rights... It protects the citizen in his personal freedom. Each, excuse me, equal political rights are assured. He has a voice in the government, which is of the people, for the people, and by the people. And when a people are free to undertake things to take advantage of the opportunities open to them, wealth, character, and natural strengths are developed. And then we get into the protection of home and family. Now, the social unit of civilization is the family. Under this form of government, the institution of marriage and the rights of childhood are respected. 
at least they used to be. Doesn't seem like any more these days, but we're going to get back to that. The home and the family are protected and the womanhood is inviolable. Now, as we talk about respect for religion, now the individualistic form of government believes in the exercise of religious freedom and shows tolerance toward and respect for all religious beliefs. <laughs> Definitely don't see that with certain people, you know, certain classes of people out there. They often ride around in their cars with the uh, tolerance, you know, bumper sticker, but do they actually practice it? No. And the American government rests upon the deep religious convictions of her people. If it is to continue, it will be through unceasing respect for the confidence in the nobler things of life. Now, as we get into the uh, talking about the American institution, now in the governments of the old world, conditions which built up a fixed ca case system and created an impassable barrier between certain groups of society gave exceptional advantages to the favored and denied to the masses all but a bare existence. Now, the early settlers of America who came to escape the oppression of this order of society at first incorporated into the local governments of the colonies the policy of religious intolerance and class rule. And so it required 150 years of local experiment in colonial government before the inalienable rights of mankind were sufficiently understood and evaluated to develop the necessary public opinion and power to change the prevailing form of state government to that of a Republican form under which equality of opportunity became an American institution. And so individualism, which was an experiment in government, was unknown prior to the independence of America and has proved its worth by its marked achievements. Now, it tolerated no restriction and recognized no exceptions, and demanded that the son of the farmer or the frontiersman have the same opportunity as the son of the merchant, prince, or land-owning aristocrat. And so now as we get into constitutional guarantees, the American citizen knows that he and his children may attain any goal to which intelligence, courage, and ability may lead and no overlord will ever bother or hinder their advancement. And no succession to power or property is rested in titles of nobility to be transmitted through succeeding generations to favored families. And the rich of today may be the wage earners of tomorrow, while the story of the rise of the exceedingly poor to affluence and power is as common as it is true. And so the young American's future depends upon himself. Now, he may inherit a fortune. His sense and ability alone will enable him to keep it. And he may be born in the cabin of a miner of the shack of a mountaineer. Yet if within him there burns the unquenchable fires of ambition, courage, and indomitable will, there are none who may stop him on the road to success. And as it says in the Constitution, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. 
Now, as far as the aristocracy of brains, now, the only aristocracy that America will ever recognize is that of brains. And I'm sure a lot of people call it today, you know, the intellectual left, you know, the, you know, the academia types. And so the tools to him who can handle them, the tribute in honor and the reward and wealth accorded to brains in this land of opportunity are not equaled in any other country. And brains ask for no equality of condition, want only equality of opportunity. And then we get into the four eyes. Socially, economically, politically, the world is rapidly changing. And in its evolution, it requires for its leadership, men of individuality, independence, initiative, and intelligence. Now, as far as individuality, under the guarantees given by the Constitution, there has been developed in the American character a striking individuality which stamps him an American wherever he may be found. It is that quality which inspired him to the conquest of the great American wilderness and the development of her resources. Now, the urge of individuality has driven him in every undertaking, not only for pecuniary reward, but for the equal reward of stamping his achievement with his own personality. And so this distinctive bearing of the American commands attention and wins the confidence of all. Now, conscious of his own strength, he, ha he asked no other favor than equal opportunity. Seems like today people don't want equal opportunity. It just seems like people want equal handouts or more than the next guy. Continuing, but when he marries, he seeks no doer or dower with his bride. And so he accepts his place in life with dignity born in the consciousness of his own power to better it. Be it ever so humble, his home is marked with his personality. His children bear the impress of of his character, giving assurance that life can contain no difficulties too great for them to master. And so his is the consciousness of the freeborn, whether born in the crowded tonement of the congested city or the lonely prairie home of the Western farmer or within the sumptuous palace of a millionaire. And so he stands upon his own feet and gladly enlists as a soldier in the battle of life. Now we talk about the next I, independence. Now the American is the personification of independence. At least it used to be. I think we're getting back to that again once we get back to our self-governance on a stronger level. And he asks no favors of government or men, as it should be. And like Oscar was saying here in the chat board, those handouts have to come from somewhere. And that, again, back to what this sentence just says, he asks no favors of government or men because with those handouts, yes, the source of those handouts have to come from somewhere. And I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't government. And if it does come from government, guess what? It came from the pilfer pockets of men. Government was just the, you know, the third party, the middleman and all that transaction. And so he demands his rights and is always ready to uphold them. And he has cultivated the habit of self-reliance and is ready to undertake any legitimate enterprise, which in his judgment has a reasonable chance of success. Resourceful and unafraid, he 
has ventured into every field of endeavor, cheerfully paying the cost of his failure and as cheerfully sharing with others the reward of his, of his success. Yes, that is the American spirit right there. It's funny I just said that because I didn't even read further. This is exactly what it says. It says, in the spirit of independence, America has won her way to leadership in times of peace and in times of war to place of honor and respect among the nations. Amen. The third eye, initiative. Now, out of independence has grown a force of individual initiative, which has made our great achievements possible. Initiative might well be termed the generator from which has come the power for all our accomplishments. And tradition looks always to that which is old in habits, customs, culture, government, institutions, families, and structures. Initiative is forever putting off the old and putting on the new. It is the mother of creative genius expressed in science and invention. Without initiative, civilization would first stagnate, then fall rapidly into dissolution. In no community in the world is freedom of initiative enjoyed as fully as in America. And government, laws, customs, traditions operate to enhance that freedom. Now, the last I, which is intelligence. Now, so far, our minds have grasped each successive problem and found so far the means of meeting each added complexity of modern civilization. And so with multiplied wants and ever expanding fields of endeavor, the demand for intelligence increases. Machines are taking the place of hands, increasing production, shortening hours of labor, eliminating the exhaustion of toil, giving more time to self-betterment, recuperation, and recreation. Markets become worldwide. Competition grows keener. International affairs demand care and diplomacy. Nations are awakening. The magic of science and transportation and communication has made us largely a family of nations with divergent aspirations, varied needs, and growing demands for self-expression. And then we talk about the price of success. Now, the price of success, whether of individual or nation, is found in work, education, and ideals. Now, as far as work goes, the world grows more busy with each passing year. Its machinery is never idle. Its burdens are too great to be encumbered with dead weight. Backward individuals and backward nations will surely be crushed beneath the juggernaut we call civilization unless they take a more active and intelligent part in its affairs. And there is more and greater work to be done with each succeeding generation. And so the achievements of individuals in the past are a challenge to the youth of today. And there are still further fields of exploration, adventure, and accomplishment, and a multitude of past achievements to be perfected. And every man possessed of the will to work finds his opportunity awaiting him. I think the only thing that man is finding today, especially our youth, what they're trying to find is, uh, you know, an opportunity for more handouts, you know, that government, uh, you know, government uh, checks. Again, it's got to come from somewhere. Now we talk about education. Now education, he must have. The time has passed when hope of success can be offered to the ignorant. Wow, I kind of like that. I'm going to reread that. The time is past when hope of success can be offered to the ignorant. Huh. With each succeeding year, the necessity 
for special accomplishments and, and particular fitness is more pronounced. Science has so far advanced as to become broken into many divisions, each requiring special training applied to every branch of government, industry, and even society. The demand is for education that intelligence may be developed and applied to its full capacity, for in no other way may progress be assured, and progress is the purpose of life. Now we have ideals. Now, work and education are not sufficient to equip either the, the individual or nation for the accomplishment of the purposes of life. There must also be the inspiration and governing force of ideals. Now, without ideals, there could be no lasting achievements. And without ideals, there can be neither understanding, tolerance, justice, nor brotherhood between individuals or nations. And without high ideals... There can be no worthwhile aspirations, no true nobility of character, no spirit or uh, no spirit of unselfish service, all of which are essential to real progress. Now, the citizen's privilege. Now, Emerson once said, hitch your wagon to a star. The citizen should demand of himself and for himself the best that life affords and devote his energies in an ever-growing measure to public service for the real joy of life is service to our fellow men. Did you hear that? For the real joy of life is service to our fellow men. This kind of brings me back to an image in the Bible when Jesus washed his uh, the feet of his apostles. You remember when they all what they all said to him? And now I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm not I, I just. Just so I'm clear, I'm not. This is not quote for quote, but you remember what the apostle said. Someone felt kind of weird with the idea of Jesus washing their feet. They said, "No, Lord, we need to be washing your feet." He says, "No, I'm giving you an example of how to move forward in life after I'm gone." Again, paraphrasing here. Just because Jesus had the power to, you know, step on serpents and snakes and and heal blind and and deaf people and people with withered hands and paralytics. Christ still found the humility that was given to him by God to serve others, not just through miracles of healing, but through the washing of feet. A true service that doesn't require a miracle. A real agape love, if you will, for your brothers and sisters. And so... That's the first thing that comes to mind when I read this sentence. For the real joy of life is a service to our fellow men. Amen. I will say to that. And this is the land of equality of opportunity. And the citizens alone can determine the measure of his participation in freedom's field. I'm going to say that again. The citizens alone can determine the measure of his participation in freedom's field. Just like with the assembly. You need to participate if you want to continue enjoying the freedoms that we have here on, on this earth and this nation. Yes, yeah, somebody said it very eloquently on the, on, the, on the chat board. You want to lead? Start taking the trash out. That, damn right. And so what he does and how he does it will be dependent upon his will to work the thoroughness of his education and the quality of his ideals. Now we are a country. Now remember, as I'm reading this, this was back in 19, um, you know, early, you know, 1920s, uh, 1930s. Now 
we are a country of 118 million people. Obviously, we've grown like triple that. Speaking one language, having an enormous consuming power, and an adequate transportation system for prompt distribution. We are not restricted within our wide limits by artificial barriers. We produce where it is most advantageous and distribute to the consumer where he may live. Now here in the East, we may eat the apples and use the timber from the Northwest and the Pacific slope may buy cotton cloth from the Carolinas and motors from Detroit. Nowhere in the world does there exist so large, so varied, and so unrestricted a market as the United States. And there is a force underlying these factors, and one which to me is all important. And I mean the initiative and energy of the American people. We are willing to work. We have that divine restlessness which will not permit us to accept things as they are, but drives us to find something better. Damn, that just sounds good hearing it. That just sounds like a true American sentence, a paragraph right there, if I've ever heard it. That sounds strong. Let me reread this, starting at the top again. There is a force underlying these factors, and one which, to me, is all important. I mean the initiative and energy of the American people. We are willing to work. We have that divine restlessness, which will not permit us to accept things as they are, but drives us to find something better. We are constantly improving our machinery, our methods, ourselves. Here no man accepts the level into which he has been born as fixing his status for life. Ability is quickly recognized. To rise is easy. There is a movement, not fixation, in our life in America. And that was said by Andrew W. Mellon, who was the Secretary of the Treasury. Man, that was a good, powerful quote right there, if I've ever heard one. I like that. Here no man accepts the level into which he has been born as fixing his status for life. Ability is quickly recognized to rise is easy. There is movement, not fixation, in our life in America. Damn straight. Wow. And so that, uh, and now we get to the section of this sec, uh, of this. Um, part of the manual where it gets to the questionnaire, because remember this was done as a, as a, um, in a, like a classroom setting to be taught. And so obviously I'm not going over the questions, but yeah. Wow. So, and that right there concludes the, uh, the, the reading. So like I said, we, we started up there for those that are following along on the PDF, we started in, uh, in, as far as the manual goes, uh, section uh, six, which was about individual initiative. And that was starting at page 65 and we are ending at page, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We are ending at page 78. So the next one, when we come back here to get dig into section seven of the manual, we're going to be talking about liberty and independence. And that's going to be on uh, page 74. So if you want to bookmark that, if you're reading along on the download side or whatever, we're going to get into, um, yeah, liberty and independence, where we start talking about the Declaration of Independence, you know, a protest and, you know, talking about its enemies and its survival and, you know, liberty defined. We're going to talk about fundamental law. 
the freedom of action, the separation of church and state, so on and so forth, you know, abuses, propaganda, the restriction of abuses. I mean, there's so much that we're going to be covering here, but that's what we're going to be covering when we come back here for the EDU spot. And so I just want to say thank you so very much for joining us here. Like I said, we're going to do the EDU spot minimum two days a week. I'm going to try to get at this at three days a week, depending if I have a wild card Sunday with the His Hardline uh, discussion like I did yesterday. Um, but minimum, I want to at least try to get two of these out a week. And uh, I think after this, maybe, well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. So, um, But the important thing is I want to get through a good solid reading of this. Like I said, there's 155 pages here. We are at the halfway point, starting with 74 here. So we are just a little bit before the halfway point, I would say. But, you know, when you factor in all the questionnaires and the other sections, yeah, I would say about halfway. And so keep joining us, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, if you're someone that's new coming to this channel and you're listening to this, you might be thinking, man, this is not a very, you know, this is not a very exciting podcast. I'm going to go over to Bards FM or I'm going to go to SGT Report or X22. Listen, that's fine. Go ahead. There's plenty of those voices out there. What we're here to do at His Heart Line is three things. One, help people get the word of God out into their own minds and hopefully they can accept Jesus Christ and, you know, as their Lord and Savior in their heart. That's number one. That's the main reason why I started this podcast. Secondarily was to get the information out there about the National Assembly and what the Assembly is doing, the power of the Assembly, and just exactly how relevant the Assembly is going forward into uh, basically returning back to original jurisdiction and getting back to a constitutional Republican form of government under the de jure republic, the lawful republic, the one that we, the people, self-govern ourselves and, um, oh, I don't know, phase out the de facto so that's the second reason why I started this. And then the third reason is to get true education out there, true history, because there is a wealth of knowledge and information that has been kept from us in public schools, or I should say the public indoctrination systems that are owned and operated by Big Brother government, the de facto corporation. And they keep us dumbed down for a reason. And there's a reason for that. They do not want us to know just exactly the true history and the true republic that still sits that was sitting vacant since 1861, which is, has been now since reseated since 2010 and is continuing to be reseated and worked on actively as we speak. But they don't want us knowing about who we are and the true power we have given to us, our unalienable rights given to us by God. If somebody doesn't know what an unalienable reads, go find it on the 1828, Amer you know, the Webster's Dictionary. You can find it for free, the 1828 American Webster's Dictionary online and type in unalienable. They're basically rights that can't be given up or taken away, even if you wanted to. They can't be taken or given away by God. Well, they, excuse me, they can be given to you by God, but they can't be taken away, even if you wanted to give them away. That's what it means for unalienable. You couldn't get rid of them even if you wanted to. It's fixed in place. That's what God gave you. And so if we're going to return back to a self-governed constitutional Republican form of government, it's very important that you listen to this field training manual because, again, General Douglas MacArthur and the special forces operators that he handpicked back in the 50s played a very large, very relevant and important role going forward into where we're at currently today with Operation Restore America. I believe it was called Project Blue Book because we had people in the de facto government that was accepting socialism and communism, and they were trying to take down this nation. How? Oh, I don't know. Drugs, sex, and rock and roll, the demoralization of a nation. It's kind of what happened with the USSR and Nazi Germany. Read your history. I'm not sitting here claiming that I am a history buff because I absolutely 
sucked at history. I did not pay attention in history class when I was in high school, and I'm glad I didn't because come to find out, a lot of that was all garbage. But I'm finding out the true history now. But the thing is, you have to read. You have to keep reading and keep reading and keep reading until you can't keep your eyes open. And when that point comes forward, you then you got to realize that you're not able to read enough. And I think that was a quote. I can't remember who said that. Was it Sam Adams? Somebody said that. John Adams? Sam Adams? Someone Adams, I think, said that. But anyway, I'm kind of mumbling on further here. So that's all I got today. I guess my whole point of listening to the training manual 2000-25, it is relevant with what we're seeing today and how we're going to be moving forward as a nation. Watch Michigan. Watch Alaska. I'm telling you. I'm not saying this to be um, to install false hope or hopium or create excitement unnecessarily, but as somebody that I know in the assembly who has been at this since, well, I don't know how long really, but for a very long time, is one of the men that helped uh, construct the contempt of the Constitution, which was the first de jure law since 1861. I don't know. He was also kind of one of the guys that was behind, you know, voiding out the act of 1871, which was, you know, pretty much causing the queen to lose her power. Yeah. You know, there's been people that have been at this for a very long time and he is one of them and he's listening in now, but he said 2022 is going to be a year of astonishment. And I think as we get into the first day of August, we have seen quite a bit of astonishing things already. A lot of drip, drip, drip flood kind of reveals, if you will. And it's only going to increase. If you're listening to the fake news media out there, Fox, CNN, NBC, and some of these fake half-truthers out there, be very aware of who you're listening to. Because I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, I may not have the same information as X-22 regurgitating stuff that he looks up from other places. And don't get me wrong, X-22 is good. I listen to him. I think he's actually one of the very few voices out there that's solid in his reporting. But I may not be talking about things that you want to hear about, like, you know, instilling fear, you know, because that's just it. You know, a lot of what some of these podcasters talk about is they talk about so many things that instill fear in people. And then it increases people's cortisol, you know, levels, which is an addictive, you know, biologically induced drug. And so therefore fear becomes a very addictive thing. So people gravitate to those people that constantly, you know, increase that fear level. There's a reason why the Bible says 365 plus times, depending on the version you have, fear not. There is a reason for that. Fear drives people to do some really weird and strange things. We're not here to drive fear at his hard line. So if you find this platform a little boring, that's fine. Cool. Adios. You can go somewhere else and have fear installed into you and, and, and whatever else they want to push your way. Here, we're talking about results. We're talking about solutions. We're talking about true history, the word of God how we restore our republic, how we get back to self-governance, you know, restoring you know, original jurisdiction. We focus on results, not fear porn over here. We don't focus on the dramas of the BS of the world, what's going on. Like, oh, my God, what's going on with Taiwan and China and Ukraine and Russia? And, you know, oh, my God, the people are coming in mass droves over our borders. They're infiltrating the southern border of the United States. And every 48 states in the lower 48 is pretty much might as well be a border state because they're busting them all over the place. Stop. Stop focusing on that. Are they in your own backyard? 
I mean, unless you're living in Texas or New Mexico or Arizona, I mean, that's forget that question. But here's the thing. I'm not saying uh, ignore what's going on around the country or around the world for that matter. But what I'm saying is for the last two years, I've been listening to so many voices telling me how bad it's going to be and how we're going to have, you know, these special task forces knocking at doors, giving us these mandatory vaccines, jabbing us at our front doors. They're going to take our guns. They're going to infringe on our Second Amendment rights. They're going to set up these green zone quarantine camps that the WHO set up. You know, these are basically, you know, these these uh, uh, what do you call it? Basically, the, the uh, you know, um, internment camps, you know, you're hearing all this crap. We've heard all this crap for the last two years. Did we see ever see any of this crap to come to pass? No. Did we see people come knocking at your doors with these special task forces that give you the jab or to take your guns? No, we did not. Will we? No, we will not. Are we going to see a civil war in this nation? First off, I God, I hope not. But Overall, no, we are not because the minute blood starts get you know blood starts getting shed on American soil by Americans killing other Americans, we we are so far gone. A constitution and a declaration of independence won't even matter one iota at that point because we are going to be so far gone. This is a different kind of war that we're at. So, oh yeah, are we going to see civil war here where, where Americans are shooting on each other? No, I mean unless you're in Chicago, you know Lori Lightfoot's you know <laughs> area. Don't go there. What am I trying to get at? Jason, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that we've been fed so much bull crap over the last two years about what we need to watch out for. And they're going to come for this and they're going to come for that. And they're going to do this and they're going to force us to that. And they're going to put us in these concentration camps and they're going to turn us into some goo like, 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 you know, and they're going to, they're going to liquefy our bodies and they're going to turn us into fertilizer. And it's going to be like, you know, what we see in the matrix. No, stop, stop it. Stop. Calm down. Breathe. The good guys are in control. Yes, the optics doesn't look like it to some degree, but you have to believe me when I tell you this. The good guys are in control. If nothing else, forget about the plan for a minute. Forget about the things that I've talked about in other shows. You know how I know the good guys are in control? Because God is in control. And God's not going to let his people fail. God is using his assets where he has them strategically placed at the very right time for the right moment when he needs them. That's how I know the good guys are in control. Have no fear. That's not where we're about here at his hard line. We're not driving fear. If you look at the icon, you'll see the face of Christ. You'll see the cross. His hard line is Jesus's hard line. You know, the hard line that the enemy tries so hard to cross. Well, guess what? No more. Those days are done. You ain't crossing my Lord's line like hell. You're going to send you back to hell where you belong. You stay away from here. This is the Lord's fight and we are the Lord's warriors and we will fight for him. We will fight for what's right. For the orphans, for the widows, for the elderly. And yes, just like Oscar just said in the chat board, he can turn bad guys to good. We see it illustrated through different parts of the Bible. He could turn bad situations and, and turn them into miracles and big blessings. So again, fear not. If you like the fear, go listen to the other podcasters. 
if you like solutions and you want problems to be solved and to be part of the solutions of those problems being solved, you're going to be in good company here at His Hardline. That's all I got for you today. Till then or the next time, we'll be back tomorrow for another 1% with Him Bible reading. And let's see what, tomorrow's Tuesday? Yeah, we're going to have a His Hardline discussion. I kind of have an idea what I want to talk about, but I might stray away from it. I don't know. So I guess it'll be a secret surprise tomorrow. All right. Have a blessed night or a blessed day wherever you're at in the world, and we'll see you tomorrow.